Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I'm Paul. And I'm Ken. Hello. Hello there. I believe, Ken, it's your turn to pick this week. Thasmin. <laughs> I, you know, I had written this down. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. For those of you unfamiliar, Thasmin is, is a term uh, that's been coined by Doctor Who fans for the bubbling under our relationship between the 13th Doctor, played by Jodie Whittaker, and her companion Yasmin, played by somebody else. Mandit Gill. Thank you, yes. <laughs> we'll get letters about that now. <laughs> Erased. <laughs> it's just a very, very boring period of Doctor Who. <laughs> Thasmin is this, um, as far as I'm concerned, I suspect, well, I know a lot of other people as well, it's this box-ticking exercise. There's never been, there's been a gay kiss between a, a gay, certainly bisexual companion full-on kissed the Doctor on the lips in a sort of goodbye sort of way. I'm off now. Mm. There was nothing lingering. There was no sexual tension there. It was just Russell T. Davis playing with the audience, <laughs> yeah. as he done. But there was, there was no undertone there that the Doctor was a gay man or that there was any love interest there. But obviously, <laughs> there's the opportunity now to show a lesbian relationship between the female Doctor and a female companion. Yes. Now, I don't think it needs to be there. I don't want the Doctor to have a romantic relationship with anybody. This is not a an anti-leser thing or anything <laughs> like that, or a, a misogynistic uh, thing on my part. But it's systematic of the entire Chris Chibnall era, who's been the producer since 2017, of ticking every fucking PC <laughs> box that he can find, whether it's there or not. Uh, because the companion, Yaz... Showed no indication of being a lesbian <laughs> for the first two series. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it wasn't even a decision. It was just suddenly very, very obviously crowbarred into the script for one of the Christmas specials. Mm. My feelings on this are, are very plain. You're coming at it from a slightly different angle as a gay man. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts and feelings on it? I completely agree with you. I have always found the idea of the Doctor being involved in a romantic relationship a little bit cringy. Mm. It has it has obviously been done in the, the new era, and it tends to be, although there was, you know, there was the whole Doctor and Rose thing, which was... Yeah, um, yeah. And it, yeah, I just it just makes me uncomfortable. It's it's supposed to be a program about this time traveling alien who goes on adventures and meets people and picks them up. And yes, there, there's been a, you know what they did with Martha, mm. where she she fell head over heels in love with the Doctor, and he was just like, well, he completely oblivious. He, yeah. he just didn't know what was going on, which is why she left. But it's just in this case, as you say, I mean, yes, there's been the argument that. If the Doctor, who up until now has always been a, a man, man, any interest that he has shown in romance has been, always been with a woman. So why wouldn't that continue? But then it's a completely separate character every time. So it's not like, 
or the doctor has always fancied women, so he's going to have to, or she is now going to have to fancy women. It, that's not how it works because they have different attitudes. They do, you know, they do. They every incarnation politics, yeah, yeah, is, is a completely different character, basically. Yeah. Yes. But the fact that this is the first time that they've had two women in the TARDIS, uh, or, you know, the, as the doctor and a woman and a, a female companion, was such a good opportunity to have these two really good mates go on adventures. And yeah. I think it's just the fact that, that Chibnall has created Inyaz such a boring, <laughs> whiny character. I mean, for God's sake, you know, the last episode, which which wasn't a, gr- oh. wasn't a good episode, The Legend of the Sea Devils, but... It was, you know, they were on an adventure. There were pirates, there were sea devils, there was a, a ship in space. There was all kinds of stuff. And all Yaz did was moan the whole episode. It was like, oh. And so because he backed himself into the corner with this thing, he had to give her something to make her interesting. And so the most obvious thing, or the only thing that he could think of, because he has no imagination, is, oh, I'll make her a lesbian. <laughs> But we've had this before with with other things. Um, Simon Exton, uh, on one of our other podcasts, we eviscerated a a Doctor (laughs) Who audio adventure. Because, again, for those who don't know, there are Doctor Who audio adventures with the original cast from, oh, the past 50, 60 years. Mm. They're being made on a monthly basis. One of them was... It was all to do with a, a, an author called H.P. Lovecraft, and it was all an, just an evisceration of this man from author, a very influential author for 100 years ago. But one of the incidental characters in that was, it was something, she was this really sort of Indiana Jones, Lara Croft type yeah. character, really quite an interesting character. And then at some point, again, the PC box ticking <laughs> came out, and all the way through this, this story, which could have been quite interesting, actually, Simon disagrees, but it was all PC box ticking mm. all the way through to show how morally virtue signaling we are. And this character, who up until that point had been an adventurer, strong in her own right, just info dumped this whole, I'm a non-binary, pansexual, <laughs> lesbian from the future, strong woman, blah, blah. So all of a sudden, all the interesting points about that person are just boiled down to... Labels. A, labels. Yeah. Well, I didn't need to know that. I was, I was quite happy with you before I knew any of that. Now, that's all you are. Mm. You, you're nothing else apart from what you've labelled yourself as. It doesn't make any difference whether I knew or not. It's not affected the person that you are. But info dumping that on me doesn't make me think any better of you or any worse of you. It's just yeah. that is now all you are. You've not labelled yourself a, an archaeologist or a... Um, you know, my job is a forensic scientist. I would be interested in that. <laughs> Tell me about that. I'm not remotely interested in your sexual partners. Mm. It doesn't. That doesn't define who you are. Yes, yeah. And we've said this several times. Although being gay does help to influence your character, but it's not a personality trait. <laughs> you know, you, I, you know, I'm Paul and I'm gay. Oh well, that's all we need to know about. <laughs> yes, I've got, I've got you all written out. It's just. Yeah, and it was. It's a very interesting CV, Paul, but where do you put your penis? <laughs> yeah. What's your preference? We need to know this in order to understand who you are. <laughs> it's, it's just so stupid. That, um, what I would say is, and you're probably going to heartily disagree with me, but one, one thing that I did almost like about the Doctor and Yasmin was 
that she worked, I say she worked it out. John Bishop was pretty much nudging and winking at him all the way through the episode. It's like a 70s sitcom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and every time they looked at each other, the... Uh, oi, oi. <laughs> and the, the, the porn music came on in the background. <laughs> she bloody fancies you, you know. Go on, girl, get in there. Yeah, so he didn't take many brain cells to work it out. But when, when she did click on <laughs> that, that Yaz was interested, she then sort of kind of in a scene that was 10 minutes longer than it should have been. <laughs> and it was it, only nine it, minutes long. <laughs> yeah. She did sort of say, look, it can't happen. And I, I really like the fact that it's been mentioned a few times in Doctor Who. The the reason why they can't have a, a romantic relationship is because the companion is always going to die. They can't go off and get married because the doctor's going to live forever. The companion's going to die and it's going to end up with someone getting hurt. I mean, but that took me 10 seconds to say that. Well, there was a, an episode with David Tennant and Billy Piper mm. and he said everything he needed to know. It was about, it was literally about 10 seconds. Mm. How many of us have there been travelling with you? Does it matter? Yeah, it does, if I'm just the latest in a long line. As opposed to what? I thought you and me were... I obviously got it wrong. I've been to the year five billion, right? But this... Now, this is really seeing the future. You just leave us behind. Is that what you're going to do to me? No, not to you. But Sarah Jane, you were that close to her once, and now... You never even mention her. Why not? I don't age. I regenerate. But humans decay. You wither and you die. Imagine watching that happen to someone that you... What, Doctor? You can spend the rest of your life with me, but I can't spend the rest of mine with you. I have to live on. Alone. That was not what we got here. No. We got five minutes of very fudged, very boring exposition. And <laughs> Jodie Whittaker's Doctor was there saying... If I was going to spend my life with anybody, it, it would be you or worse than that effect. And I even prefer you to my wife sort of thing. You Seriously, you prefer this moaning, whiny bitch <laughs> yeah, to River, River Song. Song. Come on. River Song, who is it's the only genuine romance there's mm. ever been. It's, it's been, I'd say, fairly explicit. It was never, there were never any gory details splashed on screen. <laughs> it was just all implied what was going on off screen. Yeah. I th- even that was more than we needed to know. Uh, but it's been done now. It's been bottomed out. It's been explored. Mm. Can we please just get back to a man stroke woman in a box yeah. having adventures? If anything, it really, really detracts from the stories because that's all now you, you're focusing on. When are you going to get to this? Yeah. When, when are you going to address this Thasmin thing? Because everything else is boring in comparison. It already's been undercut by yeah. this boring storyline that you you're teasing us with, but all we really want you to do is get it over so we can move on to something better. Yeah. And uh, one of the things about this most recent episode was there was so much in it. It was supposed to be a special, but it was still only 50 minutes long. And although I have had the argument with someone on Twitter that this is Chibnall writing it, it could have been 50 hours long. (laughs) He still wouldn't wouldn't have finished the story. But... He then finished the story in in the only the way only he can by not actually resolving any of the story apart from she waves the sonic screwdriver and everything's okay. Just so oh oh we've got ten minutes left of the episode. I wonder if something exciting is gonna happen that's gonna lead us into the, the centenary special later this year. Oh no, 
she's going to sit on a beach with Yasmin for 10 minutes talking about how how they're not going to end up together. And oh, Yasmin really should have died in this episode, or in fact, in her first episode. <laughs> they're such boring characters, really though. I, I, I've gone over this ground before, but Chris Chibnall's come in and filmed the TARDIS full of these diverse, wonderful companions and filmed every guest cast with diverse, wonderful <laughs> guest cast. But they've all been dull as shit. Yeah. It's just been a case of, right, we've got a black one, a white one, a lesbian one, a, a disabled one. <laughs> look, how, look how diverse we're being, boys and girls. Isn't this wonderful? No, it's not wonderful because they're all really dull characters. Yeah. Like, with the character of Ryan, he was black and, of course, disabled when he needed to be disabled. For the- when he was riding a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when he was so- riding a bike. And, again, neither of those things are personality traits. But that was literally it. There was... We don't know anything more about his character other than that he's black and disabled. Oh, and and he likes playing on the PlayStation. Oh, you you've remembered one more thing than I have. I, I mean, there was there was a free song there in the early episodes of of an attraction to Yaz. Now, you could have developed that, and it yeah. could have been. We've never had a a companion pairing on screen apart from Amy and Rory, but they were married. They were already so, together. Yeah. yeah. Where there's been a this this bonding, they're going mm. on all these adventures. They've got closer and closer, and actually, Doctor, we're we're falling in love here, and yeah, and then that would make it even better when one of them dies. It'd be like a a huge thing, but or they could have gone off and lived happily ever after. But yes, <laughs> nah, kill them. <laughs> None of them are going to die uh, because that's just not as again as Simon Exton put it. Characters in New Doctor Who are immortal. Mm. They just never die. <laughs> if they do die, they're resurrected, sometimes several times. And yeah. we've just got so far away. I cannot wait until Russell T. Davies comes back. There's only no. one episode left yes. for Chibnall to fuck this up even further. That's a very dangerous statement to make. There's a lot of damage you can do in that last special. Yes. Yeah, especially um, given the trailer where we... <laughs> yeah, he has been criticised in the past for throwing everything. And again, even if this episode is two and a half hours long... It's still not going to resolve everything. No, no. It's going to be some kind of stupid story where the Master comes back and has some plan. Uh, and then all of these other characters, including two... two oh, oh, yes. Two t- companions from classic Doctor Who, who you just know... If they came back a one year later, Russell T. Davies would do an amazing job of bringing them back and he would give them something to do. And you know they're just going to have some kind of stupid conversation, probably about Yasmin fancying the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And he'd probably be like, oh yeah, we've all been there, love. And it's just going to be wasted. Yeah. Well, I'm just predicting 60 or 80, however long this damn thing lasts of (laughs) the master turning up. Well, the Daleks inside in it as well. Yeah. It's just going to be a whole episode of the Doctor saying, what is going on? What you, tell me what's going on. I don't know what's going on. What is going on? What is your plan? And then at the end of it, you'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Regeneration and scene and then a proper writer can take over. And it, it, Chibnall is the master of setting up a premise <laughs> with no idea of how to resolve it at yeah. all. Yeah, he did this... With uh, Flex, the Flux. Flex. <laughs> I think I would rather, on balance, have watched the uh, the, the kettle cord. Or the- <laughs> yeah. It was a great idea, Six a six-parter, all one story, absolutely brilliant. This is what Chibnall's good at, apparently. 
first episode. Okay, quite a lot in there. Didn't really know what's going on. He's got five episodes. Second episode, oh, this is good. Third episode, wow, quite liking this. Big cliffhanger. And then and he was then just like, oh. Fourth episode, uh, there's more setting up going on. Fifth episode, you're still setting up. Yeah. You're running out of time here to resolve this thing. <laughs> Sixth episode, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're 30 minutes in here and you've not resolved anything yet. Are, are you going to uh, get to the point anytime soon? <laughs> no, you finished an entire series on a cliffhanger. Yeah. You go into the specials. Are you going to reference that at all? <laughs> no, 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 fair enough. Yep, second special. Any any, any reference to, to Waspit? No, no, nothing. <laughs> nope. So you've now got to set up four years <laughs> in the final episode and resolve it. Uh, you can only judge a horse by the races it's run. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. There's always been story arcs, you know, in the Doctor's, uh, um, Matt Smith, the hole in the... The, you know, the, the, crack, the, in the, the crack in the wall, which is linked to the TARDIS blowing up. And why is the TARDIS exploding? And that carried on throughout his whole thing. But it was resolved. Oh, yeah. Kind of. No, it was. It, <laughs> it was, was resolved. It, in in his end. very yeah. last episode, it was all resolved. Yes. And, and it all made sense. Even the episodes, which made no sense at, time, at the time, did make sense. Yes. Whereas this, you just know, like that, that couple who were in flux... The one, the guy oh, who was on Vinder the stage, Vinder and that woman who was looking for him, who was having a baby. And then they just met each other at the end and they're like, oh yeah, we're back together. That's, that's it. Are they going to be in this? Does anyone care? <laughs> Let's just get it over with. I think the, the, we've strained uh, quite a way off that's been actually, <laughs> but yeah. the, the thrust of this episode is a discussion about story arcs that don't mm. go anywhere. Yes. Or random plot points that just come from nowhere. I mean, I don't watch any of the soaps anymore, but <laughs> I do know it's happened where a character has suddenly, inexplicably, developed a character trait or done something totally out of character just to because well, we've run out of things to do with this character. Yeah. So they'll do something crazy like give them an addiction or they, <laughs> they suddenly turn out to be a horrific murderer or something. You think... That goes against 10, 15 years of this character being in a soap. They wouldn't have done that. And it takes you out of it as a viewer because that's not the character that we've come to know. Yes. And it's sort of lazy. I'm reading a book at the minute, which you really, it's a slog, don't get me wrong. It's 800 pages long in very tiny print. But it's by Russell T. Davison, a journalist called Benjamin Cook. And it's a compilation of all their email exchanges over the course of the production of uh, certainly Series 4 and the specials of Doctor Who. Right. And it's just a fascinating insight into the the workings of the mind of a, a proper television writer. Mm. And the thought processes that Russell T. Davis puts down on, on paper and confesses to this, this journalist. He's also a good mate. He's not just a, some random hack. Yeah. <laughs> but you see... Even during the email correspondence, he's unpicking his own storylines and thinking, that's bollocks, that. And in fact, there's one entire storyline for one of David Tennant's uh, finales, and he says, I've come up with this plot line. I've woken up in the morning. It's utter fan wank. I've just put a big (laughs) strike through everything I've just written. No, start again. It's just, it's rubbish. It wouldn't happen. And it's a a box-ticking exercise for everything fans, Mm. a fan would want if they were writing something. But it's rubbish. Yeah, that's definitely where where Chibnall <clears throat> has gone wrong because particularly with Doctor Who and Doctor Who fans, you all think, 
oh, if I was in charge, this is what I would do. But you would make episodes of things that you're interested in. You would make characters that you were interested in. And that's why it's not always a good thing to have a someone who's just a fan to be in charge of the show because he's doing it the way he wanted it. He hasn't asked anybody else if they want it like that. Yeah. And it's, it's badly backfired. And when people have, uh, you know, made suggestions, when he's got feedback, when he's undoubtedly looked at all the Twitter reactions to, um, you know, to the episodes. This episode that was on, on Easter Sunday was the, the second lowest rated episode of Doctor Who in of its history. Yeah. And everyone says, oh, well, things are, you know, the way people watch TV is changing and stuff like that. That's absolutely fine. But it was still really, really low. And that's because people just aren't interested because they know you can hype it up as much as you want, but you, you're just not able to tell a story. But people aren't watching Doctor Who for moralistic virtue signalling. They're watching no. for aliens with guns. Yes. How are you going to get out of this one? <laughs> and I'm sure out there there are plenty of lesbians or people that are questioning their sexuality and they can identify with it. Mm -hmm. Good. I still think there are other programs out there where they could do that. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who is not that platform. It's at its best where it's two mates on adventures. Yeah. To an extent, the Martha series, but even that had its its undertones because of Martha's feelings. But Catherine Tate came along <laughs> and I was expecting that to be diabolical because mm. I don't like Catherine Tate as a comedian. It was wonderful. Yes. Because it was just two mates having an adventure. Yeah. Getting into trouble. Yeah. yeah. And when Bill came along, Bill Potts, it was just two mates on an adventure. She just wanted to see the universe and he wanted to show her. Yeah. It was great. One of the great things about Bill as well is she was a lesbian. And black. And black. Tick, yeah. tick, tick. Yeah. But she was an interesting person. Yes. Yeah. In the in the very the very first episode that she was in, where one of the the main parts of the story is that she meets this girl who is something to do with water. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but the, you know, they, they sort of spark, there's a spark between them and it, yeah. that sort of leads through. But it was only a girl because Bill's a lesbian. If Bill had been straight, then she would have been almost exactly the same yeah, character. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. And it would have just been a boy in that episode. It, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like a big, oh... Oh no! How am I going to tell the doctor that I'm a, <laughs> I'm a lesbian? There was it's no just, drama about no, it. She no. just and it's everything I've asked for in dramas where there's either it's a gay drama or a lesbian drama or LGBT or whatever. If we want to normalise this on telly or just in culture, the best way of doing it, I still believe, is just to have it there. Yeah, it's not to signpost it. It's not to make a big deal out of it. It's not to. How many coming out dramas have there been now? We've had enough of those. If you want to normalise something, it's just there. Yeah. But those characters have got to be likeable and interesting. They cannot be, my defining character trait is, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you like? Gay things. <laughs> what makes you happy? Gay Being thing. a gay. <laughs> and that's just the entire thing becomes where you get your, you know, your sexual kicks from. There's more to people than that. Yes. Yeah, and th I mean, there is a place for coming out uh, dramas 
and things because there are still people out there who need that representation. Yeah, of course, well. yeah. But as you say, it doesn't have to be every time. So if you are writing a drama and, I don't know, someone gets murdered, then have one of the neighbours who sees it Go have the, the policeman go and knock on his door and it, and it's a guy and he says, oh no, I wasn't in last night, but my husband was. I'll yeah, go so, just, just, just stuffed like it in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But getting back to Bill Potts, yes. if you want a strong lesbian character or a good representation, that was so normal. It was never, mm. I mean, she never came out to the doctor. It was just, she was sat in his uh, study one day recounting a story of how she was, she fancied a girl <laughs> in the cafeteria. Yeah. Then one day she fatted her. She, <laughs> she realised that she'd made her enormous by giving her extra chips every day and she didn't fancy her anymore. And it was it was that silly story, but it introduces to the fact that she was a lesbian without it being, I am a lesbian. Yeah, it would be cliffhanger ending to the episode. And if you don't like it, then you can fuck off. And I, I, that's who I am. And, and he didn't react to it. It wasn't, no. there was no drama about it. It was just... It wasn't even an O, oh, he was just sat there listening to her. And uh, But the main thrust of that was, you want to come to my lectures, you keep coming, but you work at it. Mm. There, was, there was nothing, I don't, I'm actually looking at it now, I don't ever remember the doctor addressing her being a lesbian. And surely, surely that is the strongest signal that people don't care. Yeah. Or the vast majority of people. It's 2022. Nobody really cares. Yeah. You, you're always going to get nobbets. Yes. On any topic. There'll be people out there, when you and I talk about Doctor Who, nerd! <laughs> Probably quite right. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't define who we are. We watch a lot of other things as well, and we do a lot, we do a lot of drinking, kids. It's, uh, it does go on. <laughs> that doesn't define us either. No. We have different sexual proclivities. It doesn't define who we are. We wear different styles of clothes. It doesn't define who we are. We live completely different lifestyles. It doesn't define who we are. People are made up of lots and lots and lots of different facets, but my bottom line is boiling a character down to the barest bones of where they get their sexual rocks off. Yes, it's such a boring thing to do. Yeah. And it actually detracts from from looking from the outside and from a, a sort of a non-gay perspective, it really detracts from the cause because all that character is then is a lesbian. Yeah, and I I follow a lot of uh, Doctor Who fans, but also a lot of LGBT Doctor Who fans mm. on Twitter. And in the build-up to the episode and after the episode, all they could talk about was Thasmin. What's going to happen? Are they going to kiss? Are they going to kiss? Is she going to tell her? And it was like, this is an episode where they're bringing back a, a monster that's not been in it for 40 50 years, 50 years. It's got pirates in it. It's got so much stuff. We knew it was going to be rubbish, <laughs> but, but, but why are you focusing on the least interesting bit? They had two, two major historical characters in that. These yeah. were real people, <laughs> yeah. real pirate captains, these two. And you skimmed over them. Yeah. Even, even those two real figures were so boring. How can you write with material this good... Something that is just... I could not wait for it to finish. No. I was bored from the minute the opening credits started. How can you be that bad at, at script writing? 
Yeah, considering that's your job. That's literally what you do. It's not like you've been invited in, well, let's get Chris Kibnall in to write, write this episode because he's a big Doctor Who fan. He is a scriptwriter. That is what he does. And apparently he's very good at it. I've never seen anything oh, else that he's written. So. You will have seen, well, you've seen, I've never seen Broadchurch, which was no. his big thing. But he he's wrote written, some Torchwood, didn't he? Um, he did. I think he wrote quite a few Torchwood. But Torchwood was a bit hit and miss. It was, mm. it was fan Doctor Who where there's lots yeah. of gay sex and swearing in it. That yeah. was, it was basically that. It did find its feet and it certainly the third series was very good, mm. uh, Jungle of Earth. Yes. But the Doctor Who episodes that Chris Chibnall had written before then were terrible. Mm. One was called Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the Power of Three were... The Earth was invaded for 45 of its 50 minutes by black cubes that did absolutely nothing. (laughs) We didn't know what the hell was going on, and then it was all semi-resolved in the last five minutes in a way that was so boring. (laughs) I've seen that episode a few times over the years. I still can't tell you how it ends because it's so boring. And especially because those those were the episodes leading up to the uh, ponds leaving, where mm. they, I think that was like one of the second to last ones or something. But I think that's literally the only reason why that episode is memorable. Yeah. Because they were in it and they weren't going to be in it for much longer. But yeah, I, I do remember the cubes. I have no idea beyond that. Um, and yeah, dinosaurs on a spaceship. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> that's, that's, it was a terrible <laughs> title for a, a story. And it was, as far as I can remember, terrible. Even Matt Smith couldn't rescue that one. No. He, I think he just took the piss a bit, didn't he? In that, in that I, he's, <laughs> we've been going through some of the older episodes. And uh, I've, I've often said this, that all the Doctors have had terrible episodes. Mm. They've all had at least one or two. But prior to Jodie Whittaker, and it does sound like an attack on her, but it's more the script writing. Yes. The performance and the script, you can watch Peter Capaldi, you can watch mm. Matt Smith. You're lifted by their performance. They'll put 100% into it, even though it's not very good. And they bounce off the screen mm. and you're entertained by them. If nothing else, yeah, there's nothing of that with Chipman. It's just, uh, just go for the love of God, go. <laughs> yes. Don't even stick around for the hundredth. Can we, can we oh. please get somebody else? Anyway. As we always do, whenever we get onto Doctor Who, we ramble on and on. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get out the feather boas and decide feather or not. Thasmin is a great thing. Well, I'm going to put it in the context of Doctor Who, because in the wider world, it means fuck all. Mm. Within the con- context of Doctor Who, I'm giving it a one. It's not driven the story forward. It's not driven, as far as I can see, lesbian issues forward. It's not done anything. There will be people out there that are wildly enthusiastic about oh, it yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> but I don't think there are, there's vast tracts of lesbian fandom out there. Again, please do correct me, boys and girls, if I'm wrong. But that this has pushed forward as a... I can't imagine Yaz being a strong lesbian representational role model for anybody. She's barely got a registering pulse. <laughs> <laughs> What a dull character. So yeah, it's a one out of five for me. I I completely agree. It's absolutely nothing to do with the fact that it's two women. It's just, it's dreary. She is a rubbish character. And <laughs> making her a lesbian did not make her in any way any more interesting. And it's, it's not gone anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. And as we just said, there's been much better representation of lesbians and gay people in Doctor Who previously. Absolutely. One.
I'm going to get out the popcorn. It's time for a screening queens. Oh. This is something I stumbled across purely by accident the other day, but I was fascinated by it. It was a monk lecture. I don't know what the premise is behind the monk lectures, but apparently there's, there's quite a few of them. But this one, it was Stephen Fry on political correctness. And it was a, it, this is about an hour long or two hour long debate, but it was all the bits with Stephen Fry condensed and just his views on political correctness. So it's on the tube. So go and look it up, boys and girls. But it was just, a, it was an interesting debate. People, uh, there were two people on the side of political correctness and two people sort of arguing against it, mm. sort of. And so that, and the people arguing against it were Stephen Fry and Jordan Peterson. Right. Uh, again, a bit of a Marmite character, but uh, a, a psychologist. But it's got quite, I won't say abrasive, but it's, um, it is a love or hate style, Jordan Peterson. But Stephen Fry, I love to bits. And the way he put across his views about political correctness and the damage that it, it's doing, it's going completely against its own ethos. I was fascinated by that. So if you just type mm. in Stephen Fry, political correctness, I, I don't know how long it is. It's about half an hour's worth of, of clips, but... It's Stephen Fry, and it oh. just it fly, it's something to put on in the, in the background when you're typing in the office or something, or, or doing the washing up. But a fascinating listen. Excellent. I'll check it out. Well, we have uh, delved into the <laughs> into the world of Doctor Who. One day we'll do an episode of, um, about Doctor Who where we have something positive to say. <laughs> Preferably about somebody LGBT. That is the whole thrust yeah. of this. Uh, you know, we are navigating through the rainbow minefield of, of gay <laughs> issues, and uh, it's been... A lot of the time, it's just me and you having a chat. <laughs> At least this week, we were focused on a boring lesbian. A boring lesbian, <laughs> yeah. a very, very boring. So Sorry. in the interest of uh, balance, we know several lesbians who are not boring. Yasmin is a, a one-off, possibly. Do we know any other boring lesbians? I do I have to get out the lesbian alarm <laughs> at this point? Stop, stop saying lesbian. Right, <laughs> we'll... Uh, Helen, <laughs> Helen Clark, we love you. We love you. <laughs> we do. And we'll, uh, on that positive note, we'll sign off and we'll be back next week with more, more fun and frolics. Goodbye. Ta-ta. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.